Are you a, a thankful person? Would you like to have a fast track and know what it is to please God? I can tell you, be a thankful person. Be a grateful man, a grateful woman. I want to read now from Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 14, the words of the Apostle Paul. And above all, I put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, in which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, and listen to this, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks. There's a third time in this section we have these words, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Well, may God be pleased to bless the reading and uh, the teaching, preaching of this His most holy and infallible Word. Brief word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I ask now for the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus by your Spirit to rest upon every person who hears this word in order that their perception of what I say will be heard as you intend. Cleanse my tongue that I will be your transparent instrument to say what needs to be said, nothing that doesn't need to be said. Help me to be very, very clear, very, very simple. I pray that this will be a life-changing word, and a word that brings great honor and glory to your name. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want to know what the title of this talk would be, I would call it Sheer Gratitude. Being thankful, being a grateful person. Now, it just happens that as I speak, we are in the middle of the greatest crisis, I suppose, in human history. The coronavirus crisis, we're all a part of it. It doesn't affect only Britain, but America, indeed the entire world. There's never been anything quite like it. Now, the question is, is God trying to teach us something? People ask, is there a purpose in this? Uh, does God control? Well, I know this, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says, that Jesus, the Son of God, is at the right hand of God, upholding all things. In fact, the version that I'm using here, the universe. He upholds the universe with the word of his power. Now, that's either true or it isn't. Well, I believe it is true. That means that all that has happened has come within the purpose of God. Well, there are different views. Uh, some are actually saying that Christianity has nothing to say about the coronavirus. I think that's a terrible way to look at it. They say, and be glad that it doesn't. It's not supposed to. I don't believe that because the God of the Bible shows again and again that when things like this happen, he wants us to seek his face and find out why. Well, I'm not today going to give 
the answer as to why, because I don't know for sure, but I'm sure of this much. If you are a child of God, you're saved, you know that your sins have been forgiven, you're going to go to heaven when you die. I know one thing, God is trying to get your attention. Are you a thankful person? Now, that's the way I would put it. You see, when we go through a crisis like this, and we've never been through anything like it before, we ask, is there something God wants to say to me? Well, i tell you one thing that I found out. It's caused me to appreciate things that I just took for granted. I'll uh, give you an example. Uh, my wife, Louise, she thanks God, I think, six days out of seven, almost every day. She says, I'm so thankful that our children are near us. And she speaks especially of our grandchildren. Uh, we have friends in Seattle. They've got grandchildren in New Zealand. And we feel sorry for them. We have our grandchildren near us. Well, <laughs> they come to see us the other day, and we're so glad to see them. And Toby, Timothy, Ty coming running to us. We say, oh, stop, stop, stop. So sorry. <laughs> you have to stay six feet away from us. And, and then we have them sit down, and there I am looking at them, and there's little Ty, his name is Tyndale. I wanted to go over there and hug him and squeeze him and kiss him as I do all of them because our grandchildren are affectionate and they hug us. We can't do that. And, you know, this will pass. And the day will come. I'll get to hug my grandchildren again. But I am saying it for this reason. We come to appreciate things that we had taken for granted. And I hope that this will make you a more thankful person. Well, let me share a story that in a way is almost embarrassing, but I think it might help to make the point. I was preaching uh, many years ago at Westminster Chapel. Actually, I figured it out. It was 34 years ago. It was uh, in uh, the uh, spring of 1983. No, I'm sorry, 86. It was 1986. It was 34 years ago. And I was preaching through Colossians, and we'd come to chapter 4, verse 6. And here's what Paul says. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. Well, in my notes, I had something to say about this phrase, these two words, with thanksgiving. But something happened to me that day. It's only happened to me once in my lifetime. I've been preaching almost 65 years. Only once has this ever happened. I wish it happened all the time. But here's what happened. As I came upon those words, with thanksgiving, all of a sudden, right in the middle of my sermon, my whole life comes before me. Now, I've heard of things like that happen to people when they're about ready to die or something like that. This was different. And it was as though the Lord showed me one thing after another that had, I had not been truly thankful for. And I mean, I was convicted. I was feeling horrible. And the sermon was just half over. 
And I said, oh, Lord, help me to get through this sermon so that when it's over, I'll go into my vestry, I'll close the door, lock the door, and I'll get on my knees and I will repent of my ingratitude. Well, that's exactly what I did. I went to my vestry and I began to pray as I had not prayed. And even then, even though I was repentant, there came again my life. And I won't go into the detail to tell you all the things, but it was obvious things, huge things. Well, I will say this. The Lord put it like this. You're from Kentucky, and here you are in Westminster Chapel. I put you here. Are you thankful? Well, I said, Lord, you know I'm thankful. You know I'm thankful. He said, well, you didn't tell me. Well, I said, well, Lord, you know I'm thankful. He said, but you didn't tell me. And then he, he said, you remember when you came to Oxford and you were with all these bright students who had come up through the British system and you heard how many of them didn't get the defil and you were afraid that you wouldn't pass. You did. Are you thankful? Well, Lord, you know I'm thankful. He said, you didn't tell me. And I felt horrible. I tell you what happened. On that day, in my vestry, at my desk, I made a vow. I will say it's a vow I have kept. I can't say that every promise I've made to God over the years I've kept well, but this one I've kept. I made a vow that I would be a thankful man for the rest of my life. And one way I would show it, it just so happens I keep a journal. Now, some do, some don't. I do. And I go through the journal every day now, since that day, and thank the Lord for everything that happened the day before. And I just thank Him. And you know what? It takes 10 or 12 seconds, that's all. But I am thankful. Uh, some years ago, Mayo Clinic, uh, one of the most respected institution, medical institutions in America, came up with this conclusion. And they weren't using the New Testament or the words of Jesus. They concluded from knowledge, uh, physiological, I don't know what, how they did it, but they said we have discovered thankful people live longer. And it just happens that a psychological association independently of them said the same thing. Thankful people live longer. And I hope that what I say today will make a difference in your life and will make you want to be a thankful person. Now, there are some things that I want us to see uh, when it comes to this issue of gratitude. Uh, I want to give three principles. God loves gratitude. God hates ingratitude. And Gratitude must be taught. Well, uh, let me explain uh, what, what I mean by that. God loves gratitude. This is why we have it again and again in the New Testament. And Philippians, it's always saying, be thankful. And in the passage that I read to you, this is not the first time Paul mentions being thankful, but he says it three times in this very section. And so I decided that this talk today should focus on gratitude. And here we are in the middle of this coronavirus crisis. You know, 
a few days ago, uh, we all heard that Prime Minister Boris Johnson had himself got the coronavirus. And I'm told that it was pretty serious. Uh, it could have gone either way. Well, it, we all prayed for him. I know I did. Uh, I prayed hard. I know many did. And it turns out that God spared him. And I'll never forget his, his talk or uh, speech or whatever he said when he came out of the hospital. It was so moving. And you could tell he was thankful. He thanked the doctor. He thanked the nurses. He called them by name. And it was so obvious. He was a thankful man. To what extent he's thankful to God, I don't know. But he did say to everybody, Happy Easter. What well, was heartwarming? And then how thrilled we are that some weeks ago, the Archbishop of Canterbury called the nation to prayer. That has not been done in years and years and years. And it was so thrilling that he did this. And then it turns out that Her Majesty the Queen gave an Easter message, first time in her life. She gives an Easter message. Well, what I'm saying is, I think things like this would not have happened if we were not driven to our knees or to a sense of gratitude that we have not shown before. Well, it's wonderful to know that God loves gratitude. Well, uh, here's what happened. After I went through this, feeling the need to be grateful, I decided that I would get Westminster Chapel to be grateful. Uh, we have a prayer meeting, we did when I was minister there, uh, every uh, Sunday evening, uh, about an hour before the evening service. And uh, we've been doing that for years. But I said, tonight, I want us to show our thankfulness to God. In fact, I want us to do this from now on. I want the first 15 minutes, the first 15 minutes to be just saying thank you. No petition. Don't ask him for anything. Just think of things you're thankful for. And I said, does everybody understand this? Yes, yes, yes. Well, it turns out that some forgot they would ask for something. I said, stop. Nope, that's a request. So I said, let's just start thanking the Lord. Well, silence. No one said a word. I said, what's the matter with you? Are you not thankful? Somebody say thank you. Somebody think of something. It was still quietness. I mean, I don't know if people were nervous. They didn't know what to say. I said, well, look, somebody thank the Lord for your salvation. And, oh, one did. He said, we thank you, Lord, that we're saved through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Silence. I said, is that all? You're only thankful for salvation? I said, thank you for Jesus. Oh, one said, oh, Father, we just thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And then silence again. Do you know what? I had to spoon feed the people, just remind them of every little thing. They, they, I guess they had really done that much before. But you know what? After a week or two, they were so well trained that those 15 minutes went by so fast and people were just almost stumbling over each other to get in a word of being thankful. They would thank God for the weather. They would thank God uh, that the Thames did not overflow. At that particular time, there was fear about that. 
I could just go on and on. And here's the thing. God notices that. And he loves gratitude. As a matter of fact, we're made in his image, aren't we? But we know one thing about him. He loves gratitude. You love gratitude, don't you? When you do something for somebody, uh, you want them to be thankful. Now, they may come to you and say, I'm thankful for what you did for me. And we will say, don't mention it. <laughs> but woe unto them if they don't mention it. <laughs> we want them to be thankful. Well, God is the same way. Now, let me explain something about gratitude. The doctrine of sanctification is the doctrine of gratitude. This is very important. You see, although God requires that we are holy, we are not holy in order to get to heaven. We get to heaven because we transfer the trust that we had in our good works to what Jesus did for you on the cross. And so the way to be saved, you put all of your eggs into one basket, the blood of Jesus. You're not trusting your good works. You're not trusting your baptism. You're not trusting your background. You're not trusting anything, even your sanctification. Never, don't ever. Because if you think sanctification is what gets you to heaven, you'll never know how sanctified you're supposed to be. The people who have thought, and I've talked to them, I've witnessed to them, and counseled them over the years, these people who say uh, repentance is turning from every known sin, and you can't get to heaven unless you repent and turn from every known sin. And I want to say to them, have you done that? Turn from every known sin? Well, I, I, I think I have. I hope I Look, you see, you can never be sure. The moment you trust your good works, your best efforts, the moment you do that, you're on shaky ground. This is why we have the hymn. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. What's the sweetest frame? Well, <laughs> you might think it's your good works. That's not good at all. That's a frail, frail. You, you, you don't want to do that. Now, here's my point. Sanctification is the doctrine of gratitude. And so you show your gratitude. Uh, think of what he's done for you. Do you realize he saved you? He saved you. It's by sheer grace. It's not anything you've done. It's what he has done for you. And when you come to realize that he died for you and he called you by the Holy Spirit and gave you faith to believe and you know that you're going to heaven not by your good works, but because of what he's done. You see, that is something truly to be thankful for. But not only that, I want you to look back at your own life before you became a Christian and maybe since you have become become a Christian. Look back at something you did that you are ashamed of. Look here. We've all got skeletons in the cupboard, in the closet. We do. And I would die a thousand deaths if you knew all there is to know about me. I would die. I don't want you to know. And I'm 
Thankful to say you will not know, because as far as the east is from the west, so far are my transgressions removed from me, and so yours too. But here's my point. Look at the time when you might have got caught for something you did, and you would die if that were out. Perhaps you wouldn't be where you are today if that had been known. My point is, God stepped in and kept you from being discovered. Well, thank God for that. I mean, be so thankful. I had a dream the other night, just three nights ago, which I dreamed of something that I've done some years ago. And when I woke up, I realized how good God has been to me. And it just made me more thankful than ever. Well, I'm saying to you, be thankful for what he's done. Now, gratitude is something God loves. But there's another thing. He hates ingratitude. Well, how do we know that? Well, let me read to you a passage of Scripture from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. It's the account where Jesus healed the lepers, 10 lepers. And so in Luke, chapter 10, we find these words, uh, the words of Jesus. He said, uh, when you, he, oh, he, he healed uh, 10 lepers and they were all healed. One came back. One came back and said, thank you. And you know what Jesus said? His immediate response? His response was, I healed 10. I healed 10. Where are the nine? Is it only one person that is going to be thankful? See, the first thing he noticed is that these people had not bothered to thank the Lord. You could have interviewed them and said, are you grateful? Oh, they would say yes. But here's the point. God wants us to tell him. He wants us to tell him. And I would urge you to make it a practice. If I make a suggestion, think of three things before you go to bed tonight. Think of three things you're thankful for and tell him. And then do it again tomorrow and the day after tomorrow. And you know what? More often than not, you will think of more than three things. You will think of several things. And I can tell you now, the first thing Jesus noticed after healing 10 lepers, one said thank you, he noticed the nine that didn't. And that's what happened to me that day when I was convicted of my lack of gratitude. Well, could it be? Could it be? As we look at this coronavirus, God wants us to ask why. There's no doubt in my mind that when something major happens, when it's natural, earthly, when we know that Jesus at the right hand of God upholds the universe by the word of his power and something this big would spread all over the world and I'm to believe that God doesn't have something to do with it. Listen, he permitted it. Indeed, you can ask, did he cause it or permit it? Uh, let me give an illustration of this very point. You may recall that in the third chapter of Exodus, 
Moses saw a bush on fire and he thought, I wonder why this bush is burning. And he decides to go up close to it and see why. And then he got so close and he heard a voice. God said, stop. You're on holy ground. Don't come any closer. There was something Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones taught me that this is a clue to how we're to think theologically. You see, we all have questions. Why did God do this? Why did he do that? And we want to get up close and try to figure it out. And so when it comes to the issue, whether God caused it or permitted it, listen, that's holy ground. Stop. Don't try to figure it out. Just stop. But one thing I think we could ask, could it not be that God loves us so much that he wants our attention? You see, God likes your company. Children spell love, T-I-M-E. And could it be that you have not been praying as you should? How many of you have said, well, I'm so busy, I just don't have time. Look, you got time now. <laughs> this era is not over as I speak. And uh, we are all, all having to do what they call uh, social distancing. Uh, don't get within six feet of a person. Wear a mask or whatever. And uh, for sure, our lives are changing. And we hope how soon it will end. But at the moment, you've got time. And perhaps I'm talking to somebody, you're alone. You may not ever have this time again. You will not regret spending time in prayer. I say it again and again. Praying is never wasted time. Well, we're told that in the last days, in the last days, people would be ungrateful. And could it be that part of the reason God has allowed this, whether he permitted it, caused it, that's holy ground, just don't try to figure it out. He wants you to be a thankful person. You see, we're told in Romans chapter 1, God noticed ingratitude. He put it right alongside sexual immorality, sexual promiscuity, and they were not thankful. You see, God does not like it when we are unthankful. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, uh, Paul said, in the last days, people will be ungrateful. Well, hasn't God been good to you? When you think how good he's been to you, for one thing, thank him that he spared you to this moment. Thank him that he loves you. Thank you that you have a church. You see, many of you would be in church right now, and you've just taken for granted. You can always go to church. Well, the things that we have taken for granted, could it be that God has allowed this, at least for the Christian? I'm sure that when we get to heaven, we're going to find out there was a lot, lot more involved. I'm not here to say I know why, but I'm asking the question. Could it be you haven't read your Bible as you should? Could it be the reason you don't know your Bible, you just haven't taken the time to read it? And God wants you to read the Bible. You see... His Word, the Bible, this is the Holy Spirit's greatest product. He wrote it. The Holy Spirit wrote it. 
And I would say to you, do you want to get on good terms with the Holy Spirit? Does that matter to you? Is it important to you to get on good times with the Holy Spirit? Well, I would say get to know his word. You see, this is the only book in the world where you can get to know the author intimately. The Holy Spirit wrote this book. And so I think it might be that God is on your case. So you will take the time to do things like this. Well, gratitude. God hates gratitude. God loves gratitude. He, sorry, he, he loves gratitude. He hates ingratitude. Gratitude must be taught. And this is what I'm wanting to do this day in this talk. Now, when Paul added about and be thankful, there was something else he said. He said, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, uh, there's one translation that says you should do it alone. Now, I will admit that you may feel very awkward to sing a psalm, a hymn, whatever, by yourself. But I'll just make a little, it's not a confession, it's just share something. Uh, some 25 years ago, I felt led that I should sing from our hymnal uh, 15 minutes every morning, 10 minutes every night, out loud by myself. <laughs> I felt stupid at first. I did. But then it became something that I enjoyed. And then when we were on holiday, I, I kept it up. And uh, I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, Lyndon Bowering uh, and Alan Bell and I were in Israel together. We were staying at the Mount Zion Hotel, and our rooms were right next to each other uh, on, on, the, on the sixth floor. And um, I wanted to keep up my singing. I sang as soft as I could. I, I didn't want to be heard. <laughs> they heard me anyway. Well, whatever. Now, if you find it hard to do by yourself, let me tell you, get a, get a, a recording. Uh, go online, uh, go on YouTube, and you'll find a thousand, ten thousand songs you could sing with it. Uh, whoever is singing, sing along. I'll tell you what I have found. To my surprise, when I go through, in my case, I'm going through a hymnal. Sometimes I go through a chorus book. And I'm doing it because of this verse. I, I, I sing these, and I would say once every two weeks, I will get a word from the Lord so clear. And I think, oh, I wouldn't have got this if I weren't singing. And I would urge you, I would urge you to do this. You want to live a life of gratitude. You may recall the story when Samuel poured the oil on David, the horn of oil on David, and he was inaugurated, anointed to be the next king. But you know what? He wasn't king for another 20 years. And I've asked, here he was anointed, why wouldn't he be king? His anointing needed to be refined. And one of the things David needed to learn over the next 20 years was to be thankful. And maybe you've never thought about it, but do you know David began to write psalms long before he became king. He wrote psalms, and these psalms show 
how thankful he was. We come into his presence with thanksgiving. Uh, be thankful to the Lord again and again. And I can tell you, God honored David for this. He was a thankful man. Well, I've come to the close of what I mainly wanted to say today. I hope, I hope that this word today will stir you in such a way that you will resolve to be a thankful person. Be one whose life reflects gratitude. And remember the fringe benefit, you're not doing it for this, but according to the authorities, you live longer. If that doesn't get your attention, uh, I don't know what else will. But in the meantime, say to God, thank you for everything as soon as it happens. You'll never be sorry and you'll never be the same. Heavenly Father, I ask you to take this word, apply it by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.